For much of the spiritual community, it's clear global catastrophic events are in our future. A great tribulation, Daniel's 70th week. But in much of the church, Israel is little included in the discussion, an afterthought of sorts, or, or left out of the discussion altogether. According to the Bible, Jerusalem is ground zero for the coming Antichrist to make his presence known, a military invasion that will once again scatter the people among the nations. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom and welcome to the program today. You know, there are four major components to this coming crisis. First of all, it's unprecedented. Uh, there's never been anything of the magnitude of what's to come. Secondly, it's unprecedented because it begins in Israel. The Inquisitions, the pogroms, and the Holocaust all began outside the land. Thirdly, it's age-ending. It's an age-ending event, not a world-ending, an age-ending event. And finally, it culminates with the salvation of all Israel. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 11, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, as it's written. Now listen to what Paul says when he quotes Isaiah 59 in the same verse. The Deliverer, that's the Messiah, he's going to come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As many of us know from the, the Hebrew prophets, there's a soon-coming peace and safety in the land, in Israel, uh, a Middle East tranquility such as never before, an occasion coming sooner rather than later, uh, a recognition of Israel's ancient holy covenant by an unusual man quickly rising to prominence leading Israel's ancient enemies to suddenly abandon their hostilities toward Israel and adopt a peace and safety will actually prove to be short-lived. So we have to ask this, where does the church fit into such a time as this? Well, certainly not in the sweet, syrupy, sentimental Christian Zionism we've displayed for nearly the last 75 years. But I'm afraid that's where much of the body of Christ may end up heading. Praising God for this long-sought peace. That sounds legitimate, doesn't it? But there's a major caution here. As the Bible declares four times, twice in Daniel, once in Matthew and Revelation, there is a critical must event ahead that will change everything. A coming abomination of desolation. The time of Jacob's trouble an event that will be preceded by great deception. While the Word of God provides explanations for the what and when of the Great Tribulation, its duration, its meaning and purpose, Jesus himself warns this end-time event will be accompanied with great deception that will, if possible, if possible, deceive even the very elect. Jesus knew the birth pains would lead to the heavy labor contractions, an abominable event leading to the inauguration of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, that this would be the sign that would fully awaken the church to its age-ending mandate to proclaim to Israel and the nations the fulfillment of prophecy, a timing indicator that would result in global evangelization leading to untold numbers saved out of the Great Tribulation. 
But if all this is to follow a peace and safety, temple and sacrifices, why would the Lord still caution against deception? Well, first of all, he leads us directly to Daniel and his prophetic understanding of the coming crisis, that there would be a people on the earth in the right place at the right time, that while this Antichrist will move against the covenant, God will have a people who know him, are strong, and carry out great exploits. As we've recently shared from John chapter 14, verse 12, in the words of Jesus, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. You see, Jesus validates those words in verse 20, when he says, at that day, the day of the Lord, at that day you will know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. I believe the Lord's making it abundantly clear there will be a holy, invincible connection between the tribulation church and the work of the Holy Spirit during the tribulation. And he cautions us not to be deceived. This peace and safety is the end of the matter. As Daniel 11 shows, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he, the Antichrist, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God, that's the masculine. That's a Hebrew word for the people of exceptional wisdom. That people shall be strong, carry out great exploits, and those of the people who understand will be instructing many. All this is to say there will be a company of believers prepared for the occasion. If the Holy Spirit was going to depend on left-behind tribulation saints to prepare Israel and the nations for the Lord's return, I would have serious reservations they'd be prepared for such a mission. A people on the earth who had consistently rejected truth now being tasked to communicate biblical wisdom to tribulation survivors, demonstrating the greater works of Jesus. No, I'm, I'm almost positive and sure that the call to the greater works is given to a bride who's made herself ready, a bride without spot or wrinkle, prepared for the season with the voice of the Spirit, demonstrating before the powers of the air the manifold wisdom of God in all of this. Sounds preposterous, doesn't it? Way outside of our categories in this sin-laden world, Yet these are the ancient historical prophecies given by God to prepare his people. As Jesus made clear to his young disciples just prior to his crucifixion, At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Yeah, folks, there is a coming peace and safety. There is a coming resumption of animal sacrifices. There is a new third temple to be built and celebrated. And yes, there is a coming abominable event when this man of peace and safety will enter the third temple as the incarnation of Satan himself. And yes, there is a great tribulation to follow that will lead to the final clash of the mystery of iniquity and the mystery of the gospel. And my friends, the church will have a role in the final outcome. So I want to ask you, are you ready?
What's the Spirit been showing you about uh, about preparation in these days? Has the Lord been making it uh, clear that now is the time to commit to a, a prayer life that's resolute, tearing down strongholds, positioning yourself to embrace a voluntary weakness, a weakness that puts the flesh last and the Spirit first, to make declarations from God's Word and travail, and in intercession. Participating in corporate settings with people, yeah, people of like precious faith, to pray together. My friends, this is what the Tribulation Church will look like, and I believe the Lord is calling on us now to make ourselves ready. So let's pray about this. Let's ask God to step in now in our lives. Father, that we may know you, the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your sufferings, and Father, that we may be conformed to your death, embracing a voluntary weakness and humility that removes us from a contemporary culture of our day that puts us firmly in the heart of your will, exercising the apostolic call in prayer as Paul spoke in Philippians chapter 1, and our prayer in this season, that our love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that we may approve things that are excellent, that we may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, your day, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are to your glory and praise. Father, that's our prayer. That's what we pray this day. That's what we want you to do in our lives this day, to be filled with the fruit of your spirit, the love, joy, peace that frees us from all the offense until the day of Christ. And in all that, Father, we say amen and amen. Maranatha, beloved, he's coming soon. I'm Bill Nordstrom.